Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to pick up where we left off from this morning. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, the first 12 verses, uh, just like we did this morning, and then we're going to jump to the next one, uh, next beatitude, which is verse 4. So Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to begin in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for, uh, for being a God who is a blesser. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms our lives that brings joy even in the midst of difficult circumstances, even in the midst of trial, of persecution, of of sadness and mourning. Father, I I thank you that, that you have showed us very clearly the position, the posture that we need to take uh, in order to receive uh, your, your abundant riches of grace. Father, help us to value the right things. Help us to love the right things. God, I pray for uh, these folks as they go to their small group and others will be coming in as they go to a small group. Uh, Father, I ask that that Christ-centered relationships would be stirred up and built up, that people's faith would be strengthened, that spiritual uh, encouragement and resources would be given freely. Uh, Father, please build up your church tonight. I pray that you'd equip and just empower every leader, God. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Jesus is describing for us what is the blessed life. Who are the blessed people? And if you remember from this morning, it's radically different from what everybody in the world already thinks. Okay, so Jesus turns the thing upside down. says, you guys think that uh, to be blessed, it means you're, you're rich, and it means you don't have any trouble in your life, and it means that you're the powerful, and that everybody likes you, and uh, you can do whatever you want, and that, that's, that's who's blessed. And Jesus says, not even close. So much so that every image uh, he portrays of the blessed life is kind of meant to kind of chip away and and what we already think about who's blessed and what it means to be blessed and what it means to be fulfilled and what it means to be, uh, to be fortunate, okay, to be happy, to be joy-filled. And, and then he begins in verse 3, this is what we did this morning, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, talking about that the blessed people are the spiritual beggars, okay? Uh, blessed equals beggar. That, 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 that's how you need to remember that. Uh, in order to be blessed, you need to take the posture of a beggar. You need to take the posture of someone who says, look, I don't have anything to offer God. Uh, I, don't, I have zero in my account spiritually. I can't do life on my own. I can't do uh, the right thing on my own. I can't do marriage on my own. I can't do relationships on my own. I'm going to blow this thing. And so I, I know that about myself. And what I know about God is that he freely gives grace. And so I'm going to adopt a posture 
I'm going to adopt a, a, a way of standing before God with, with, with my hands out for His grace so that He dumps His riches into my life so that I am blessed. That, that's what it means to be blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who, who take a posture of humility, who take a posture of, of a spiritual beggar, of, of someone who's, who's deeply needy and, and who cries out. And that's going to, that's going to come out, that's going to play out, that's going to apply out in our life in things like our prayer life and then the scriptures and Christ and relationships and worship and just being hungry for the things of God, valuing the things of God above, above all else. And so, so that's what we looked at this morning as far as who are the, the fortunate and who are the poor in the spirit. And, and now today, or the, this evening, he gets even, even, I guess, wilder as far as who you might think would be the blessed. And he says in verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now this, this almost seems even more strange than poor in spirit because it doesn't seem possible for us to be able to mourn and to be blessed at the same time. I mean, those two seem like they can't happen at the same time, don't they? I mean, it just seems like that that's a contradiction. How can someone have something happen in their life that saddens them and that pains them and that brings uh, brings a physical response of mourning? And at the same time, Jesus is saying, wow, that guy is the fortunate guy. That guy is the one who, who's, who's, who's going to have good things uh, brought into their life. Um, and, and Jesus says that, that that's who's blessed. Okay, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. Um, Again, to understand what Jesus is saying, you have to first understand this is one of these pieces that we're going to put in, in every, every one of the Beatitudes is that what God has to offer is infinitely more valuable than anything else on earth. Okay? That, see, the Beatitudes don't make sense unless you believe that about God. Unless you believe that what he has to give you, what he has to put in your life, is more valuable than anything else you, you might lose. Okay? Think of all those other verses in the Bible that, that teach similar things. Where Jesus says, you know, it would be better for a guy to, uh, to, to, uh, to give up his life. You know, whoever loses his life, you know, will save it. And, and what does it profit a man if he, gives his, uh, if he gets the whole world, if he gains the whole world and use, loses his own soul? I mean, Jesus is teaching over and over again that he is the treasure. Remember, remember Matthew 13, 44, where he talks about the guy who stumbles on the treasure in the field. And, and the guy is willing, gladly, joyfully to give up everything in his life, to sell all of his possessions in order to have Jesus, have the kingdom of God in his life. And so, so the Bible teaches this all the way through. And so you have to apply that to the Beatitudes that, that what God has to give is infinitely more valuable than anything else in this life. And so Jesus is saying, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Okay, there, there's the key. They're going to be comforted and God's comfort is infinitely valuable. You know, I, I never realized that uh, this is something maybe new for me just in the last year. How, what, what a big need comfort is in the lives of people. Uh, I've never thought of that. You know, I, I do the, the, uh, the intimacy needs inventory and the love languages inventory in premarital counseling all the time. Comfort is always, I never pick it. It's always down on my list. You know, things I want from my wife or things I want from my friends. You know, it's always down, you know, for my wife, it's things like affection and quality time and, you know, you know uh, deeds of service and just different things like that. But comfort's always down far on my list. I, that has all changed as far as my perception of what, what, what people really need uh, through Facebook, actually. Uh, and I know I don't brag on Facebook a lot, uh, and I'm not really bragging on it now, but it has taught me something. It has taught me people really need comfort. A lot, I, I would say a, a large percentage of what you're going to see on Facebook is people asking for comfort. You know, as people just say, man, I'm hurting right now. Uh, I had a really bad day. I've had really, you know, lousy time or what, you know, whatever. You know, it's just kind of this exclamation of, man, things are really bad right now. And, 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 it, and, it, and it blesses people, you know, when, when people respond and say, man, I'm sorry about that. When there's empathy. And it's also taught me that a lot of people are really lousy comforters. You know, I mean, you'll see someone put something on there, you know, I have a really bad day. And somebody else will come on there, man, you ain't had nothing compared to what I've had. You know, that's great comfort. Good job, you know. 
or you're, you're bad, you know, don't post, you know. Uh, but, but it's just shown me that, that people have a big need to be comforted, a big need for someone to empathize with them, for someone to come alongside. I mean, that's what a comforter is. It's someone who comes alongside. It's, it's that, that Greek word, uh, perikaleo, to come, to come alongside. It's the word that's, that's used for the Holy Spirit. And, and so here's what we learn from our, from our Bible is that God is an awesome comforter. Okay? There's no one that comforts like God. There's no one that can do that like God. God draws near in comfort and he reveals himself. And that revelation is of infinite worth to the mourner. And God is really good at that. In fact, the Holy Spirit, one of the names for the Holy Spirit that we find early on in the Gospel of John is the Comforter. He's the Helper. He's the one that, that comes alongside and brings comfort. And folks, what the Bible is saying is that's infinitely more value than the loss of possessions or health or status. I mean, people mourn for a reason. They mourn because they've, they've usually they've lost something, right? They lost a possession or they lost someone or they lost you know status or they, 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 they've lost health or they've, they've lost something. And, and, and so there's this loss in their life, okay? And that's why they're mourning is because there's loss, okay? So if you, if, you, if, you, if you put it on a scale, this kind of thing makes sense to me. If you put it on a scale, all right, someone has something happen in their life and so there's loss, okay? Now what Jesus is saying is if you're in the kingdom and if, and, and if God is faithful, which he is, and God comes in there and you're poor in spirit, if you're poor in spirit, what are you doing? You're a beggar, right? So you've had loss in your life. Boom. You know, you went from here to here, okay? But because you're poor in spirit, you come immediately and adopt a posture of God. I'm a beggar. I'm needy. God, I'm coming to you. I want what you have to give. God pours in your life through the Holy Spirit, his comfort, okay? So where do you go? Now, now here's what a lot of people believe. Well, you go from here to here, you know? I mean, I mean, I, I really think a lot of people think of Jesus' comfort like fenugrin. Isn't that right? Isn't that what that stuff is, honey? We rub on it? Okay. Yeah, fenugrin, you know. Uh, it's when you have the stomach flu, okay? I don't know if you guys get the stomach flu like I do. I do not get very sick very often. But whenever I get the stomach flu... It's violent, you know. I mean, I'm I'm pleading with Emma to put me down, take me to the vet. You know, I, I can't I can't do it anymore. I mean, it, it it's really bad. I'm not making that. It's true, isn't it, Emma? It's it's bad, you know. And I and I tell you what, when you know Doc gives us that vinegar and stuff, and you, you put it on your, your your wrist like that, or he we've got pills this last time, and you put it in your mouth and it kind of dissolves. And what it does, usually anyway, it stops you from throwing up, which is a really good thing. You know, it stops that whole you know just horrible thing that's happening to you. It stops you. From, but here's the deal: it, it doesn't make you well really you know i mean you still feel horrible and you're still just racked you know with, with stomach pain and you're, you're laying in your bed and you got no energy you know and so it helped you know i mean it helped and you're grateful for it but you know you you, you went down to here and so you're just up to here a lot of people look at jesus comfort that way you know, they, they look at that. That's what Jesus has to offer me. Well, this horrible thing happened in my life and this terrible thing happened. And I went from here to here and I call, I'm calling out to Jesus, but I know he can only bring me up to here. You know, is that true? I don't, I don't think it is. I, I mean, I think what we see in the Bible by the promises of God and, 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 and the work of God and guys like Joseph. Remember that a few weeks ago? Guys like Joseph. I really believe that God is able in his infinite wisdom. I know it doesn't always happen right away. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make this overly simplistic like something bad happens in your morning. And, and, but you come and pray to God and all of a sudden you're just woohoo. You know, I mean, it's not like that. I, I understand that. But, but, but I do believe that God is able, Romans eight twenty eight to work all things out for good to those who love him. And, and God is able to, to, to bring about this infinite amount amount of good over our lives through even our suffering and through even our mourning. So I believe that God, when, when, when we mourn and we come down here and we're poor in spirit and we come and say, Lord, you know, please fill me up. I believe that God can bring us from here even to here. I, I think that's supported in the scriptures. And so I believe that, that what we see happening here, it, when Jesus says, blessed,
Blessed are those who mourn because they're going to be comforted is that the comfort of God is of infinite worth. Now, that makes a lot of other scriptures make sense in the Bible. Let me show you a couple others. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, beginning in verse 3. Let, let's look at that. Matthew 5, 3. says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, why would you do that? Okay? What happens when you suffer? You mourn, right? Okay? So, in your mourning. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love, listen to this, here it is. Here's God's grace, God's riches coming down. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. Do you see the process there? He starts out with, with suffering, and he says, you know what? As believers, we can even rejoice in our suffering. Why? Because God so works through his comfort to bring about the end result that, 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 that is hope and a hope that is more valuable, a love poured out in us that is more valuable than, than what we lost through our suffering. Okay, let me show you another one. James chapter one. Uh, these, these are all throughout the New Testament. James chapter one. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Okay, what's a trial? A trial is some kind of hardship in your life, some kind of difficulty in your life, some type of test in your life. And he says, why? Why should you count it all joy? Why could you, should you consider that to be joy? Well, verse three. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God is able to so pour into your life, even through your trials, especially through your trials, that you're not going to lack anything. Do you, do you see what's happening in both those verses? You know, someone has a trial, someone has a suffering. What does God do? God so infinitely pours into them as they are poor in spirit that, 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 that he makes up for that. He, he produces good things. The end result is more valuable than, than whatever, whatever difficulty or tragedy or struggle hit. So the principle is that the spiritual good flowing from the riches of God's grace when a person turns to Christ in the midst of pain, far outweighs the hardship of the pain. Okay, let me, let me put this in equation form. Some of you math people will, will maybe like this, all right? Pain equals mourning. Mourning should, if, if we follow the Beatitudes, turn to Christ, produce a turning to Christ in us, I'm sorry. And that turning to Christ produces a calling on Christ, which produces spiritual comfort and transformation from God, which produces better off than we were before. Now, I know this is not simple. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, when you say it like that, it just seems so clean, you know, and, and I know it's not. I, I know when you, when you lose somebody, it's not like God, you know, just takes that. It's just not, I don't know that that would really be good for us, for God just to, you know, take that away. And the next day you don't hurt anymore. I think there's, there's a process there of hurting uh, because of loss that, is, that even God, God works through and maybe is even necessary for us to, to be who we are, you know. And, and, but, but I believe this on, on a deep faith level. I mean, I just do. I believe this is how it works. I believe God can do this. Uh, I believe that, that he can even work through our pain and through our struggle to bring about good things in our life, eternally good things. Okay? So blessed are those who mourn. When their mourning drives them to Christ and they're comforted with grace-saturated comfort. Now, I think we need to, we need to say, we need to make sure we, we say this. It doesn't always happen that way um, based on what we do with our mourning, right? Um, if pain equals mourning and mourning means a man turns away from God or a woman turns away from God. If, if we're not poor in spirit, um, but, but if we take a, a very prideful spirit. You know, sometimes when, when we've had painful things in our life, it's really tempting for us to say, you know what, God, 
I don't think you should have done that. And I'm really angry with you. And, and, and I, you acted unjustly there. And you did the wrong thing. And because you did the wrong thing, I'm, 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 I'm turning away from you. Remember this morning, poor in spirit was, we, we tried to make an image of, of a posture, you know, catching a ball. Remember that illustration? Um, you know, a posture in which you, you're, you're, you're ready to receive the things of God. You know what? There's, there's, there's a response when bad things happen that you could take that would, would not only keep you from this, but it would basically make you do this to God. I mean... There's a lot of times where that's the posture we take toward God. God, I'm, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want you helping me. You know, you've done plenty, God. You know, uh, my life is, is, is wrecked and this has been taken from me and I'm hurting and I, I lost. You just stay back. Okay. Now, when that happens, what happens? This whole thing starts to unravel, right? Um, because we're, we're not poor in spirit. We're not a beggar. We're not needy before the Lord. We're saying basically, look, I'm going to handle my pain on my own. You know, you stay back, you stay out of this deal. I'm, I'm going to handle it. I'm going I'm to get through it myself my own way. I'm going to do this without you. That's not poor in spirit, is it? And, and that, that short circuit, that, that puts a wrench in, in, in the wheels of this process of, of what God wants to bring in our life, uh, the blessing that he wants to bring through the kingdom. Um, there's another type of mourning. Uh, and and I, I really think, you know, as I look through the scriptures and as I read commentaries, I really believe uh, this is at the heart as well of what Jesus is talking about here. And that's the kind of mourning that comes about when we handle our sin rightly. That, that's a huge thing to handle your sin rightly. I want to read you something that uh, happened to me this week. Um, I, I'm trying to be a good dad. Uh, I told the story in Bible study. Some of you guys will, will, will remember this, but I'm trying to be a good dad. What that means is I'm trying to teach my kids um, how to respond to sin. And uh, the other morning, Haven lied to me. Uh, she had a calculated lie. I'm not talking just kind of, you know, the little thing. Hey, did you do? No. You know, I mean, this, this was calculated. She, she peed her pants and uh, she went and hid her pants and then came upstairs naked, completely naked. And I said, Haven, where's your, where's your, where's your, where's your clothes? And she said, oh, I took them off. And I said, well, did you, did you potty in them, honey? And she said, nope. Nope, nope. And I said, well, where are they? Show me. She said, well, I think they're in my room. You know, her room's upstairs. She was downstairs. And I said, well, come show daddy. So she walks in her room, kind of looks around. She says, ah, they're here somewhere. And that's exactly what she said. They're here somewhere. And so I went downstairs. I kind of knew it was up. So I went downstairs and and I found them. You know, she she had potted them. And so I, I went upstairs again. I said, honey, you need to tell daddy the truth. When daddy talks to you, when daddy asks you something, whatever's true, you need to tell me that. You know, you need to say, what's I'm going to ask you again. Did you potty your pants? No, 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 no. You know, so, so I went and got the spanker and I spanked her. And, uh, before I spanked her, I set her down. I said, now listen, daddy's not spanking you because you potted your pants. That's an accident. That, that happens. That's okay. Daddy's spanking you because you didn't tell daddy the truth. When daddy asked you if you did, you said no. And look, you know, I had him right there with me. You know, I said, look, you did, you know, and so that's a lie. So daddy's going to spank you. So I spanked her and. We talked again. I explained it again. Daddy, you know, Daddy didn't, didn't spank you because you're probably, you know, I went all through the lie deal again. I, I think I do it two or three times. I just really wanted to emphasize. So I got dressed and, and took her to her mother at school. And, and I told Emma I, kind of what happened. I whispered to her, you know, before I left. I said, just ask her about it. I want to make sure she got it. So I get this text back from Emma. Lying means I pee. <laughs> and then she says this other thing, too. There was makeup on her hands. And I asked her where she got that. And she said, it's, uh, what'd she tell me? It's Germex. And... <laughs> Uh, anyway, she, and we kind of had a deal about that too. But anyway, this, the rest of this. 
The makeup crawled on my hands, and Daddy was really angry, and he spanked me really bad. My bottom was really red. But Dad's not mad now. Now he's happy because I'm never going to pee again. So. That's why you, you call complete and utter failure, okay? No spiritual good. Nothing happened there. There's no dealing with your sin. There's no acknowledgement, confession. Uh, the message did not. I mean, I can't think of anything that went right with that, okay? Uh, how you handle your sin's a big deal. And uh, hopefully you handle it better than, than Haven did there. And you get it maybe better. Um, but there's a certain amount of mourning that ought to come about through sin. There's a certain amount of brokenness that should come about. Now, let me show you this in, in the scripture. I don't want you to think I'm, I'm trying to insert this into Matthew. Uh, I really think this is in the Bible. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, verse 8, uh, Paul says, For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. See, there's a key. Grieved into repenting, okay? So it, it's sorrow for a specific thing. It's sorrow for sin, okay? Grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through it. You see, there's a mourning that actually keeps us from loss, from real loss. Verse 10, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. Also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you've proved yourselves innocent in the matter. Okay, so he goes through and he's commending the Corinthians for handling their sin right. They sinned and their sin produced a godly grief. When they were confronted with it, they, they, they were broken over their sin. They mourned over their sin. They acknowledged their sin. And through that, it brought about this blessing of repentance and forgiveness and restoration and spiritual growth on the other side, okay? And so, so that's what should happen when, whenever we sin. Uh, our sin should cause us pain, okay? Not simply the pain of painful, painful consequences. Not, not just that, okay? There is that. I really believe Galatians 6 tells us that you reap what you sow, and I believe there, there are painful consequences and circumstances because of sin, but, but not just that, but rather the pain that comes about from acknowledging the fact that we have sinned against God, that our sin is against God. It's a sorrow over sin and, and, and what it's done to God, what it's done to our relationships, what it's done in breaking God's law. And folks, when our heart breaks over our sin, when we're miserable because of how we've lived before the Lord, there's a value in that, that sorrow, that, that brokenness, that sadness, that mourning that far outweighs the pain of mourning. Okay, let me let me again, let me show you this in a couple places in the Bible. James chapter four, James chapter four. Let me let me read verse eight first and then we're going to back up. Um, no, verse 9 first. I'm sorry. Verse 9 first. So, so he says, be wretched. Here's his command. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Okay. How, how's that for a command? You know, be wretched. All right. You know, have you, can you even try to do that? Can someone act that out for me? Uh, what does it look like to be wretched? Okay. Uh, but he says, be wretched. He says, mourn, weep. I mean, it's just, it's just a picture of someone just falling apart. Someone who's just miserable. Okay. That's the command. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Now, why, why would you want to mourn, weep, be wretched? Well, look in verse eight. Here's the context. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Okay. Who's the subject of this? You sinners and purify your heart, you double-minded, okay? You people that, that, that act one way or you say, you say you are one way and act a different way. You know, you're not consistent with the Lord, okay? So, so the context there, the, the subject there is sinners are double-minded and he says, you need to mourn over your sin. 
You need to be broken. You need to be wretched. You need, to, you need your laughter. Don't stop laughing and start crying over your sin. I mean, that's really what he's telling them. You know, I think there's times where we mourn over other people's sin. That's easier, isn't it? You know, uh, there's times where we're, we're broken over other people's sin and we're sad about, you know, people sinning against us. But, you know, there's really not a lot of spiritual good in that. I think there is some good in just mourning over the brokenness of humanity and over, you know, someone who's fallen into sin that's our friend. But, but when it sins against us, you know, and when it's like, man, you did that to me and I'm just broke, you know, uh, we see that a lot, don't we? we see that, but that's, that's not what he's talking about. Uh, there's great blessing in acknowledging and being broken over your sin. There's some hindrances to that. Um, I think there's something in all of us in our sinful nature that we want to all almost reflexively excuse our sin. That's, that's a horrible habit. Um, do you see that in yourself? That, that whenever, whenever you sin, it's almost a reflex to justify it in some way. And man, we're quick with that. I mean, lightning quick. I mean, it's, it's amazing how fast a sinful brain can work, you know. And, and us figuring out a way to, to justify what we did. You know, I'm the victim, you know. Yeah, I did that, but you know what you did to me? You know, you know what was done to me? Or, or, or I'm under pressure. You know, I wouldn't have done that, but you know, I got all this stuff piling on me. You know, it, it wasn't what it seemed. Uh, this, this is one of my sinful tendencies. Well, I, I didn't really mean it, or I was just teasing, or it wasn't what I intended, or I didn't plan for that to happen. You know, I mean, just, just this whole, oh, let me tell you my pure motive that was in my heart. I know it came out as sin, but, you know, I mean, it's still opposite of what Jesus says. You know, you know whatever's coming out, that's a reflection of what's coming in, you know, or what's inside. Or I had no choice. How about that? You know, things were hard-pressed, and I was in a corner, and the temptation was overwhelming. I mean, we have these, all these ways of, of, of trying to... to ease the pain of our sin we should not do that why because jesus offers blessing for those who just just receive it you know you you you're caught in the spirit's crosshairs he's nailed you on your sin man just just let it sink in deep let you know admit acknowledge that what you did was god dishonoring it was christ crucifying it was hell deserving it broke your fellowship with god it broke your fellowship with others it has real consequences in your life and it can't continue. Mourn over your sin so that you might be comforted. Let's go over to Luke. Remember, we, we looked at some in Luke this morning, how there's kind of some parallel beatitudes. And, and in Luke, it's interesting what he does here. In verse 25, well, let me read you the first one in verse, um, verse 21. Uh, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you should be satisfied. And then listen to this. Blessed are you who weep now. Weep now. Okay, weep over your sin now, for you shall laugh. Okay, he promises laughter in the future. And then down in verse 25, he switches it around. He says, woe to you um, who are full now, for you shall be hungry. And then the latter part of verse 25, woe to you who laugh now. Okay, you're lighthearted, you're not mourning, you're not broken over your sin. For you shall mourn and weep. And the implication is later. Okay, um, there, there's interesting play in words there. The emphasis is, is whether you mourn now, mourn over your sin, take your sin seriously now. Folks, that's part of confession, isn't it? It's, 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 it's agreeing with God about your sin. It's feeling the same way He feels about your sin. It's agreeing with God about the heinous nature of your sin and the brokenness of what you've done and, and, and the, the, the damage that's been done to the glory of God and, and to the kingdom and the, the relationships and, and all of those things. And there's great joy and peace in, in being forgiven of sin. In, in, in confessing that to God and going through that process of, God, I admit this thing, it was wrong. I own the depth of, of, of the damage that was done, and I own that, that I was wrong in doing that. 
There's great joy in that process of forgiveness and reconciliation. I was thinking about how do I illustrate that? I don't know how to illustrate that, but I know that in my own life, you know. I know my own life. When I'm wrong with something and I'm living in sin, there's a certain amount of misery that's there, you know. And I know that when I clear that up, even if there's been collateral damage, there's still a, there's still a great refreshing in my soul that I am right with God. Do you guys know what I'm talking about there? You know, that, that even, even though I've gone through this thing and now i got a mess to clean up, I cannot tell you. It's like someone opens a window into my soul and it's just like, I'm okay with God though, you know. I've confessed that it's over, it's done, it's on the cross, there's forgiveness, there's restoration. There's something really sweet about that. And, and, and so, so, so the contrast here in Luke is, are you going to mourn over your sin now that you might rejoice and laugh and be blessed later? Or are you going to laugh now? That's what, that's what that verse says, verse 25. Are you going to laugh now? The woe to those who, who laugh now. You, you know, to some folks, their sin is just not that serious of a deal. I think of this. I've read this verse to my kids before in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs ten twenty five. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. Man, it, it's a real foolish thing to do to make light of sin. Especially your own sin. I think it's a dangerous thing to make light of sin in our culture, to make light of sin on television, to make light of sin at the workplace. And I think that's, that's, that's probably a damaging thing. But, man, it's a serious thing to sin and for that to be a light, trivial thing to you. And, and what Luke says here is, what Jesus says here is, man, when, when, you, when you take your sin lightly now, there's, there's going to be weeping and mourning later, especially if there's no repentance. Now, now, somebody might argue, well, hey, weep now or weep later. What's the big deal? You know, take, take your pick, either one. No, not at all, because the weeping now over your sin is, is number one, temporary. And number two, it, it produces a transformation and a spiritual good that is forever. Okay, The weeping over a wasted life, a squandered opportunity, lasts forever in a place called hell. The joys of sin are small and temporary, while the joys of repentance are deep and eternal. So I, I, I really think Jesus is talking about both those things. Um, there, there are times when we are going to mourn, and whether it's just the difficult circumstances of life, as we take a posture of poverty of spirit, man, God comes in with his comfort, they shall be comforted, and, and it far outweighs whatever the loss is in our life. God will do that. I believe in the end. I believe in heaven. I, I believe in the kingdom. Okay? I believe God is going to make right every wrong. I really believe he's going to do that somehow. And I believe those who are blessed in mourning over their sin, man, there's going to be laughter later. There's going to be joy later. It's upside down, isn't it? From what way we think, from the way that we're trained, our sinful mind thinks. Let's pray together. Father, I, I thank you for... Uh, I thank you for the forgiveness of sins, Jesus. I thank you for the body of Christ that's, that's broken for us and the blood of Jesus that is shed for us. Father, I, I pray, God, that, that you would give us a deep and abiding repentance. Father, please keep us from excusing our sin. God, please keep us from, from dodging it, from, from treating it as something superficial, from trying to manipulate our way around it. God, I, I pray that, that we would own our sin and that we would... We would mourn over it, that we would be broken over it, and that, Lord, that your, your forgiveness and cleansing would come in like a flood and would wash away our iniquity. 
and bring about a purity that is deeply satisfying. Father, I pray that you would help us to trust you, Lord, that your comfort, uh, your comfort can, can far outweigh any loss in this life. And Jesus, we're going to cling to you. We need your grace. Father, we, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.